Well, as a church here at Snell's Beach Baptist, we believe that the Bible is the Word of God. We we read in in the New Testament that all Scripture is, is breathed out by God, and that the writers of Scripture wrote Scripture uh, driven along by the Spirit of God. The, the picture here in this verse is that um, the writers of Scripture, they opened up the sails, but the Spirit of God, like the wind on the ocean, blew on the sails so that Scripture is God's Word, even as it is written by human beings. And this is what we call inspiration. And it's, it's not that um, great and inspired men and women wrote such good books that the church recognized them as scripture, but that God inspired people to write his word. Inspired people did not write the Bible. God inspired people to write the Bible. The Bible is God's word. Well, as a church, we believe that that the whole Bible is the word of God. The Apostle Paul says in 2 Timothy 3.16 that all scripture Did you get that? All scripture is breathed out by God. And and because of this, it is all useful, Paul says, for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and training in righteousness. Things that each one of us need constantly if we are to grow in maturity in Christ. So because of this truth, I want to shape my uh, my own role, my own teaching among you by including both the Old and the New Testament in my preaching. The the New Testament is often the only thing that people preach. And and nowadays, a lot of churches actually just um, unhitch themselves from the Old Testament. Um, Some don't say they do, but they won't preach it until maybe Christmas, and they'll do one of the the prophecies about the birth of Jesus or something like that. But, But all Scripture is useful for us. So I want to preach both Old and New Testament as I minister among you. Not only does preaching from the Old Testament show that the Old Testament still has value today, but it helps us learn how to read the Old Testament better. The, the Old Testament has an enduring authority over our lives as Christians, but many of us never read from it. Or if we do, we, we've never been taught really how to read it. We, we pull verses that kind of make us smile or, or make, make our emotions feel a certain way, but, but oftentimes we can do that and, and we read it incorrectly. And, and, and we do this because the Old Testament is hard to read quite honestly. And and the Old Testament is often hard for us to read and and to read well because there are many barriers between us and the book of Genesis or the book of Samuel or Isaiah. You know, we live on a different continent in a different culture, even three to five thousand years after these books were written. There are barriers between us and the Old Testament that make it difficult to read. But for our next series as a church, we are going to be working through the book of Jonah. And as we approach the book of Jonah, we have more barriers than normal in understanding not only what this little book means for us now, but what it meant for its original audience. Jonah is probably one of the most famous stories in the Bible. And maybe because of this, it is also one of the most misunderstood. You know, you say Jonah, and people immediately think of some giant whale swallowing a man alive or of the the children's stories that that really fall short of what this book is is all about. This is no cute story. It's actually quite a depressing story. Well, as we look at at this new series this week, I want to give a short overview or introduction to the book of Jonah. 
It would be really easy for us to fall into the traps of misunderstanding the Bible by skipping over some of these important details that, that come before we really get into the meat of the book. So as we approach Jonah together this week, I want to take just a little time to go over the whole thing quickly before looking at smaller parts in later weeks. And we do this because we need to understand who Jonah is and why the book was written if we are to understand it at all. And we also need to examine this book from a Christian point of view. Can this book about a disobedient prophet actually teach us anything about Jesus Christ? You know, Jesus said that, that the whole Old Testament pointed to him. So we have to be asking, how does Jonah point to Jesus Christ? Is there a, a, a wrong way to connect Jonah to Jesus? Is there a, a right way to connect Jonah to Jesus? These are the kind of questions I want to answer today. So the, the, the first question, who was Jonah? Well, this, this book starts, uh, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. Now, most of you have heard of Jonah. I'm sure none of you have heard of, of Amittai, except for this book. Well, this, this first line tells us something about this, this man named Jonah. He was a prophet. The word of the Lord came to him. We read this same introduction in, in a number of other prophetic books as well. The book of Hosea begins, uh, the, the word of the Lord that came to Hosea. Uh, in Joel, we read, the, the word of the Lord that came to Joel. The book of Micah begins, the word of the Lord that came to Micah. So we, we know just from this first sentence that Jonah is a prophet of Israel, like a lot of other prophets in Israel. But we also know, just from this first sentence, um, that, that Jonah is a very specific person. Because we can read in the book of Second Kings that this same Jonah prophesied in Israel. We read that, that he prophesied during the reign of, of a king named Jeroboam, and, and he prophesied that King Jeroboam would expand the border of Israel. In 2 Kings chapter 14 and in verse 25, we read that Jeroboam restored the border of Israel according to the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, which he spoke by his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai. So Jonah prophesied during the period when the kingdom of Israel was split in two. Now, there was a kingdom in the north called Israel and a kingdom in the south called Judah. And Jonah was a famous prophet in this northern kingdom. Now, we, we saw just a second ago, he was given this extraordinary word from the Lord about the expansion of Israel's borders. And they actually expanded um, the, the largest they had ever been, equal with the reign of, of David and of King Solomon. So Jonah was a, was a famous prophet, and, and of course it's, it's easy to be the one who brings the good news. But the book of Jonah is a story about this prophet and his response when God gives him a message he doesn't want to deliver. And I mentioned that Jonah um, prophesied during the reign of this king, but Jonah wasn't the only prophet at that time. And he wasn't actually the only prophet recorded in the Bible for us during this time. Two other important prophets had ministries at the same time as Jonah. And their names are Hosea and Amos. And if you read the books of Hosea and Amos, it is pretty clear that, that God had some big problems with this northern kingdom of Israel. And as, as we look at the book of Jonah, it would be good for you, as members of this church, as people of Christ, to, to go and read not only the book of Jonah, but these other two books of Hosea and Amos as well, so that you might understand the time that Jonah was living in this northern kingdom. 
So now that we know who Jonah is, and we kind of know a little bit about uh, the, the time in which he was prophesying, especially if we go and read those, those books, the, this other question we have to ask is, what is the book of Jonah all about? Or to put it another way, why was the book of Jonah written? What is the purpose of this little story? Well, to answer this question, we have to remind ourselves, not only that Jonah was a prophet, but that this little book is right in the middle of 12 other books. 12 books that that we call the Minor Prophets. And these short books, which is why they're called Minor, these Minor Prophets, are, are like a box set. In the, in the ancient Hebrew Bible, they all go together in what is called the, the book or the scroll of the twelve. And each of these prophets packs a punch as, as they call out against Israel or Judah. And these, these prophets are sent first and foremost with the purpose to, to call Israel back to the law. To remind the people of God who God is and what he has spoken Every, every prophet from Hosea to Malachi is part of this collection, and each of these 12 books has a purpose. And we need to read Jonah as one of these, not just as a story, but as a story with a purpose. So the challenge for us, then, is to discover what the story of Jonah was meant to communicate to the ancient audience in Israel. How are the Israelites who first heard this prophetic story supposed to be challenged. In books like Amos and Hosea, we have a much more clear idea of purpose because it is clear that God is calling Israel out of idolatry, out of empty religion, and back into true worship. But in Jonah, we have to work a little bit harder to see the purpose behind the book because Jonah is a, a story. It's a narrative. So we have to work a little harder to understand why it was written. And to to do this, I just want to walk quickly through the whole story to to get the main point so that in the next few weeks uh, we can come back again and again to this main point as we walk through each individual episode of the story. So as we read the book of Jonah, we can see that Jonah is set up like a play or one of of the the older movies with an, an intermission in the middle. You know, in, in Jonah, there are two major parts, two acts in the story of Jonah. In, in, in chapter 1, verse 1, we see that the, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. And again, in chapter 3, verse 1, we see that the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. So Jonah is split into two halves, the first time and, and the second time that the word of the Lord comes to him. And, and it's interesting that each of these halves actually mirrors the other. We'll pay a little more attention to Act 1, and then we'll go through Act 2 quickly. In the first half of Act 1, the word of the Lord comes to Jonah. But instead, Jonah runs from the presence of the Lord. Jonah hops on a boat heading in the opposite direction, but God pursues Jonah by calling a great storm out onto the sea. And the sailors who are are not Jews, they, they all sacrifice to their own idols. They throw everything that's in the boat all of their merchandise, into the sea to try and make the gods less angry. But as you know, that the sea only gets more and more stormy. Jonah, as it turns out, he had gone down into the ship and was sleeping below deck, completely tuned out to the danger that these men were facing. Or if he did know, he didn't care. 
See, because death at this point is better to Jonah than fulfilling the word that the Lord had given him. This is a disobedient prophet. Anyways, he's, he's called up on deck, and, and after this, the sailors interrogate him, they find that it was Jonah who had angered his God. And so the sailors, immediately after hearing Jonah, they understand the stupidity of Jonah, because Jonah tells them that his God is not some idol, not someone who's just uh, over this sea or over that hill or who, who t- looks after sailors, but Jonah's God is the very creator of the heavens and the sea and the dry land. That's, that's everything in existence, if, if you think about it. The heavens, the sea, and the dry land. And this Israelite prophet is trying to outrun the God who made everything. Where could he possibly hide? How stupid is this man? And now not only is Jonah paying for it, but these sailors are paying for it as well. And even though Jonah tells them to throw him into the sea, they try to row back to land to save his life. But when, when, when they cannot, when the sea grows more and more angry against them, they follow Jonah's command and toss him like the rest of the cargo into the ocean. But in the, in, in the second half of Act 1, the Lord is merciful on Jonah. Instead of letting him face the punishment for his actions, for running away from him, he rescues Jonah by calling out a fish to swallow him. And it's, it's in the belly of this great fish that Jonah prays to God a psalm of thanksgiving, thanking God for rescuing him, for showing him mercy and grace. And this first half of the story ends with the Lord speaking to the fish and the fish vomiting Jonah out upon dry land. Act 1 has two halves, Jonah and his interaction with the Gentiles, or these non-Israelites on the boat, and Jonah in his interaction with God in the fish. So Jonah interacts with non-Israelites, and Jonah interacts with God. And the second half of the story follows the same pattern. First, the word of the Lord comes to Jonah. But this time, Jonah goes to Nineveh. So far, so good. Jonah gives the word of God to the Ninevites, and the Ninevites respond. Jonah's Jonah's whole message in, in Hebrew is about five words, and the entire city repents. You see, these Ninevites hear the word of God, and and they respond just like the pagan sailors. These Ninevites recognize, even though Jonah might not have given them the most stirring speech, that, that this God that Jonah proclaims is powerful enough to do what he says he is going to do. And so the Ninevites repent of the evil that they had been doing. And and in turn, God spares this great city of Nineveh. But then we get to the part of the story that reveals the purpose of the book, Jonah's second interaction with God. When we look more in depth at the story, we can see that that Jonah's interaction with the people of Nineveh isn't really any more faithful than his interaction with the other non-Israelites on the boat. But in this second interaction with God, the, the story really drives home the main point. In this interaction, we see that God is merciful and gracious, and this character of God is the point of the story. But we read that this character of God is exactly why Jonah ran away in the first place. When, when God has mercy on Nineveh and he, doesn't, um, and he doesn't overthrow the city, Jonah goes out of the city and he says this, He says this to the Lord, isn't this what I said while I was still in my own country? Isn't this why I ran away in the first place to Tarshish? Because I knew, I knew you are a God merciful and gracious. I knew you were slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. 
Jonah throws God's character back into his face and says, I never wanted to go because I knew this would happen. Jonah has great theology, but he has no compassion. But God, with patience, responds to this prophet. And he says, he says to Jonah, do you do well to be angry? Is it right, Jonah, that, that you withhold grace and mercy and patience, even while you are receiving it yourself? And then the story ends. That's the book of Jonah. It feels incomplete. The, the story ends with a, with a question. We're used to nice, neat stories that, that follow a, a steady pace. We have, um, you know, the, the beginning, the rising action, the climax, and then it comes back down again. And everything resolves, but Jonah goes right up to the top and it stops. The story ends with a question. And this question is directed not just towards Jonah, but also to the nation of Israel who would be listening the same way that the books of Hosea and Amos are directed towards them. See, Israel, the children of Abraham, were meant to be a blessing to the nations around them. This goes back to the very first promise given to Abraham. God said, God said to go and I will make you a nation and give you a land and you will be a blessing. Or, or he commands him, you will be a blessing. You shall be a blessing. So Israel from the very beginning was meant to be a blessing to the nations around them. Israel was meant to shine and to draw Gentiles into the worship of Yahweh, the, the God of all. The same way that light shining in the dark draws moths. Or the, the same way that an, an oasis in the desert gives and preserves life for the animals that come from miles around to be refreshed. But Israel had failed to shine this light. Israel had failed to be an, an attractive refreshment to these nations. But not only had Israel failed to be active in her mission, she had stopped even to shine. And this, this religion of Israel, at, at the time that Jonah lived and at the time that Hosea and Amos were prophesying, this religion of Israel at the time is mixed with idolatry. And, and even when this Worship, this religion is directed at Yahweh. It is so fake that God says in Amos chapter 5, I hate, I despise your festivals. Take away the sound of your songs. I will not listen to them anymore. Israel's religion had become so tainted that the Lord was threatening, even during the time of Jonah, to send them into exile. So we see in Jonah that not only was Israel's worship tainted with idolatry, but we see in Jonah that, that it was tainted with an arrogant nationalism. You see, Jonah, this kind of representative of Israel in, in, in this story, Jonah throughout the whole book looks down his nose on everyone who isn't an Israelite. For Jonah, Israel is God's chosen people. They have been given the law. The, the pagan sailors sacrificed to their idols. The, the, the Ninevites were brutal in their warfare. But Jonah and his people... Oh, Jonah and his people, they know the living God. Jonah and his people, they know that this God made all things. This God made the heavens, the sea, and the dry land. Jonah and his people have this revelation that God is gracious and merciful. But what Jonah and what Israel at, as a nation at this point cannot see is that this God who made all things also cares for all things. He cares for all people, not just his chosen people, Israel. 
And this God who is gracious and merciful longs to be gracious and merciful to all, not just his chosen people, Israel. For everything Jonah knows about God, he is the only character in this story who never listens to him. The sea, the wind, the sailors, the fish, even the people of Nineveh, they all respond to Yahweh. But what about Yahweh's prophet? Well, he would rather die at the end of the story than see God have mercy on others. The point of the story is this. Yahweh, the God who revealed himself to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, this God of Israel, who, who revealed himself to Israel in, in the law and in the prophets, who had, who had raised up kings for Israel to, to govern them and lead them well, who had provided sacrifices for them, this God is, is merciful and gracious. This God is sovereign over his creation and cares enough even for the distant and evil city of Nineveh to send a prophet from his people, one of his own, to warn them of the judgment that was coming to them. And this main point is stamped on every part of the story. The story is in, is in many ways what we might call a, a satire. You see, the, the story of Jonah drips with irony as Jonah's blindness and arrogance calls out against the nation of Israel. Jonah is right in thinking that Israel is the chosen people of God. But he has let God's gracious choice of Israel blind him to the fact that God's choice of Israel is gracious. Mercy and grace come to the people of God as mercy and grace, not because they deserve it. So what then does this story mean for us today? What does this story mean for us as Christians? Because as Christians, we want more than a moral lesson from the Old Testament. We want to see Jesus. And so how do we see Jesus in this story? Well, first of all, we can see a reflection of God's heart toward us. Because just as God sent Jonah to warn the people of Nineveh, he sent his son for us. You know, we cannot safely reject Jesus. The people of Nineveh could not safely reject the word of God. And we cannot safely reject Jesus because in his own words, he says this, the, the men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment. That's the, the final judgment. The, the men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment and condemn this generation because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. In Jesus, we receive not only a word of judgment, but the word of redemption. Jonah is the anti-prophet. Jesus is the ultimate prophet. In Jonah, God so loved the Ninevites, part of his creation, that he sent a rebellious prophet to warn them. But in Jesus, God so loved the world that he sent his, his very son for our redemption, so that whoever believes in him might not perish, but also might have everlasting life. Jesus doesn't just come to, to take the punishment away. He brings us life as well. We are not just forgiven, but we are made sons and daughters of God. We are adopted into his family, given an inheritance. In Jonah, God so loved the Ninevites, he sent his prophet. But in Jesus, God so loved the world that he sent his son for our redemption. To pay the price we should have paid, to pay the penalty for our sin. Not just to, to tell us of the, of the condemnation of God, but to bear this condemnation for us on the cross. 
As we, as we continue to go through this series, we will see many more ways that we are challenged today by the book of Jonah. If we are careful to listen to this book, we will hear the Spirit of God shaping and questioning us. As, as the people of God, are, are we shining the way we are called to? Are we living as Israel was meant to and as Jesus has called us as his church to live? As a, as a shining light and as a city set on the hill? Do we shine out into our community? Do we go out into our community and bring them in to to see this light that we have in Jesus Christ? Or do we have the same problem as Jonah, who let the grace of God into his own life, but did not let it flow from his life to the lives of the people around him? We will see God in, in these many things. We would be challenged by the word of the Lord as the Spirit applies it to our lives. But most importantly, as we walk through this book We will see more clearly who God is and and what it means that he is a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger. He is patient and abounding in steadfast love. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, you have have spoken to us in your word. And God, you you have, um, have breathed out the word of Scripture. Lord, we're recording for us um, stories and poems, um, prophecies and predictions. Lord, we ask that as we we turn to study this book of Jonah, this narrative, Lord, we would not miss that you have something to say. You aren't just telling us a story, but you are are revealing to us more about who you are. And And God, because you have written all of Scripture, we can... We can see Jesus Christ even in this book of Jonah, even in this book written to the ancient people of of Israel. Would you help us to be careful in how we see Christ here? Teach us, Lord, to read your word. Holy Spirit, would you you illuminate this text as we come to it week after week? Lord, I ask that as a church we would not look anything like this prophet Jonah. Lord, I ask that we we would instead reflect you and your character as a God who is merciful and gracious, as a God who is slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Lord, help, help us to see how your character is consistent in both your love and your judgment and your holiness and your perfection. Help us to see how your character is, is magnified and seen most clearly on the cross of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you would protect, protect me as I preach through this series, that I would I would preach only Christ and him crucified, Lord. Would, would my preaching be a, a stumbling block to the people who only want to see a sign or a miracle or, or power? And Lord, would, would my preaching also be foolishness to those who are looking for um, the wisdom of this world? Lord, just self-help, just 10 ways to be a better husband or father, 10 ways to be a better citizen, 10 ways that we can uh, revolt or... Um, sit underneath this government. Lord, help, help me not to, to reflect this world, but instead to reflect your son as I preach, that I would preach Christ and him crucified, even from this disobedient prophet Jonah. And Lord, would you let your church, as we, as we gaze into your word, as we, as we look at the, the person and work of Jesus Christ, would you let us be transformed more and more into his image that we might um, live for your glory, that we might shine with light and draw people in. Lord, would, 
would you stir us up? Holy Spirit, would you make us passionate to go out as well into the community and to do the good works that you have prepared beforehand for us in our, in our place among this people and at this time? Lord, in, in all things, we need your spirit to, to lead and to guide us. We pray this in Jesus' name by the power of his blood that, that lets us even come before you and request things. We pray this in Jesus' name and for the glory of his kingdom, which will never end. Amen.